Hey, glad you can make it. And welcome to the Employee Cycle Podcast, where we talk to HR innovators, thought leaders, and even some disruptors about the latest in HR trends, HR tech, and you guessed it, HR data. Well, you've heard enough of me talking. Now let's start the show, 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 show. Hey, hey, and welcome back to the Employee Cycle Podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Marable, CEO of Employee Cycle. And you know us, we're that HR analytics dashboard helping all of you HR leaders out there get rid of the manual, tedious, and time-consuming process called HR reporting. That's right. We know that every time you want to get a data-driven view of your workforce, you're pulling messy, crappy spreadsheets from a lot of different systems, trying to pull them together, and you're pulling out your hair thinking there has to be an easier way. Well, that's why we created Employee Cycle, an HR analytics dashboard with pre-built integration connectors to all the most popular HR systems you're using so you can pull all your data into one real-time, streamlined source of HR truth. Please check us out at EmployeeCycle.com, get a demo. We would love to explore how we could partner and help you automate your HR reporting and analytics process. But that's enough about me and our company, because today we have a great guest on the show. So please help me welcome Liam Martin. He's the founder at Running Remote. And today we're going to discuss what is asynchronous work and why it's mission critical to manage a remote workforce. Liam, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Bruce. Again, I have been on that podcast. I think this is the second time I've been on. And uh, always the most positive, exciting introduction. Almost any podcast I've been on, this is this is the most exciting intro that I've ever gotten. So I'm very excited to be here. I'm very excited to be able to talk about asynchronous work. Awesome. And by the way, Liam, for a very small fee, if you wanted that intro... Wherever you walked into, every time you got on a Zoom, every time you walked into a room, coffee shop, mall, wherever, for a small fee, we can make that happen. (laughs) (laughs) You know, funnily enough, um, so one of my other companies is a company called Time Doctor, which is a time tracking tool for remote workers. And the workforce there, we really try to challenge people to become more productive. So as one of our little kind of PR uh, pushes that we did... We told people, listen, do you want a two minute video of me telling you to basically like, just do it, like just get up in the morning and get it done. And, uh, I think I had like 400 people that asked me to make them a video who are customers of ours. So I made two, 400, or I made a couple hundred little two minute videos telling people like, listen, I know you don't want to get up this morning and work on employee cycle today. But, you know, if you told me that five years ago, you want to be, have a multi-billion dollar unicorn in the HR world. And frankly, if you don't get up this morning and do it, you're not going to be able to make it. So get up, let's make it happen. And it was, um, it was an incredibly successful campaign. I still get emails today of people asking to make some of those videos because they share it with their friends. We may need to start something like that. I think that is awesome. We could talk about that offline. That could, that could be really cool. So, Liam, we want to kick this interview off the best way we know how, and that's by asking you, how did your work bring you into the wonderful world of HR? Boy, well, you know, I entered almost by happenstance, to be completely honest with you. I was running an online tutoring company back way back in approximately 2007-ish, and I had this big problem inside of that business, which was 
I couldn't actually equate for the amount of hours that were worked between a remote tutor and a remote student. So I'd bill a student for 10 hours. The student would come back and say, hey, I didn't actually work with my tutor for 10 hours. I worked with him for five. Go to the tutor and say, what's up? He said, I billed you for 10. I'd end up having to refund the student for five hours and pay the tutor the full 10 hours. This was really destroying the business. And right after, basically around 2010, I met my now business partner, Rob Rossett from Time Doctor, and he had this little crappy alpha of this tool that could completely solve that core problem for me. It could, it could scratch that itch, which was equating for how much time people worked on tasks when they work remotely. And so that's how I kind of jumped into the HR world, but I kind of almost did it <clears throat> in a backward maneuver because for me, I was really focused on employee productivity, which isn't necessarily, or wasn't at that point, really an HR activity. But now as we're seeing the world transition completely to remote work, HR professionals really have to expand their their gaze and really look at a lot of different variables that impact the general output of the organization and productivity is one of those central ones. That's awesome. And we really appreciate that background and context. So today we're talking about what is asynchronous work and its relationship to managing a remote workforce. But as it says in the title, we first need to define what is asynchronous work. So if you could help us in your own words, let us know what is this and why it's important. That would be a great way to start. Sure. Bruce, I don't know how old you are. Uh, I am 39. I'm going to become 40 this year, which is, we'll see how I deal with that mentally. But I'm old enough to be able to get back to the point where I would watch television through television stations and not through any of the streaming services that we currently have. So 8.30 p.m. on Fridays, was the time in which you would watch like the big banner shows like friends or something like that. And the issue is that if you came in at eight 45 to be able to watch friends, well, friends was half over, right? You're already 15 minutes of the way through the episode. And what do you have to do? You'd have to wait a year for the rerun to be able to come out. That's synchronous work. Uh, asynchronous work is Netflix. It's the ability to be able to consume information and collaborative information, more specifically as as it applies to work, when it's most opportunistic for the individual team member to consume that information. So it allows for everyone to effectively run the business without interacting with people synchronously, meaning face-to-face either in the real world or on a Zoom call. And I know that that's very counterintuitive for a lot of people to be able to think about, particularly the ones that ended up going remote, but pre-pandemic remote teams operated almost exclusively with this methodology. And I think this is the core piece the vast majority of remote companies are not figuring out. So I just want to first say I am 38 and I remember that waiting for all the shows, regardless of what channel we were watching. So yes, that resonates with me. And I've never heard anyone define asynchronous work in such a succinct and relatable and understandable way that waiting for a show to start and then missing the first 15 minutes versus Netflix is a great way to provide context. But just so I truly understand, it sounds like you're saying that if you were doing remote work, the best way to do this work is to make sure that you are able to work in a silo and do work that is not dependent on other people so that you don't necessarily need to have a lot of the collaboration or in-person work. Is that what you're saying? Or am I missing it? Or am I switching it a little bit? 
you, you, you definitely have it. So there's a theoretical framework that has been in the remote work world for almost a decade now by a friend of mine, Cal Newport, who wrote this book called Deep Work. And deep work effectively is the ability for everyone to be able to have everything that they need to solve difficult problems. So do you have everything in front of you to be able to complete your tasks and employee cycle today? If you don't, and you have to actually ask other people, those are barriers towards you accomplishing deep work. Number one, it's very disruptive to your overall workflow. But more importantly, when you actually have to ask a question of someone else and go synchronous effectively, you think that you're actually speeding yourself up and you absolutely are speeding up the individual, but unfortunately you're slowing down the organization because a culture of interruption creates an environment in which no one can actually get work done. They're just constantly answering other people's questions. This is really fascinating because on the surface, this sounds very counterintuitive to how most people work. And to be quite candid, it doesn't seem like it works at all in practice. So I would love to have a back and forth about this as I try to think about the questions that our audience would want me to ask. So the first thing that I'm sure our audience is thinking is, well, isn't the point of having a team in the first place is to bring the smartest, most creative, ambitious people together so that they can work on solving really hard problems together. And by default, they need to depend on each other because if one person is doing the whole thing, then that's inefficient and you need multiple people attacking the problems from different ways to to reduce the amount of time to get to the outcome? So I think the core premise that you're working into this is the concept of collaboration, right? So absolutely critical towards the operation of a business is collaboration. However, inside of remote teams, because the early remote pioneers, the people that were working 20 years ago and working remotely, we didn't have the ability to be able to do Zoom calls or do in-person meetings all the time. Now, we do do Zoom calls and we do uh, meet in person from time to time. No one's saying that organizations are completely and utterly asynchronous. That would be pretty ridiculous. There are times in which you interact synchronously. However, what remote teams have recognized is unlike on-premise teams, teams inside of an office, they have to pay a sunk cost every single time they go into the office. So they have to spend that 90 minutes to be able to go into the office, go to a single place, and then collaborate. And once they're in that central space, they effectively say to themselves, well, we've already paid the sunk cost for collaboration. So let's just have a collaboration buffet. Let's talk as much as we want. Let's get those whiteboards out. Let's let's have a whole bunch of what I like to call undocumented conversations about work. Remote teams, however, that are asynchronous recognize we pay that sunk cost every single time we have a meeting. So we implement an a la carte method towards collaboration where we say, do we actually need to meet about this? Or is there a way for us to be able to communicate it differently through project management systems, through SOPs, through processes that we have in our organization? And most remote companies, uh, just to kind of give you context, the person that connected us on our call, Vaishali, who I think has been working for me for six years, in the last, well, in the six years that we've worked together, we have met in person or on Zoom about five times. But we work every single day together. We exchange emails together. We work on our project management systems together. We send Slack messages to each other. We interact very intimately, but we interact asynchronously, which allows for her the 
to enable her to have the autonomy to accomplish the tasks that she needs to do throughout her workday. And then also gives me the time to be able to accomplish the tasks that I do throughout my workday. I just want to confirm. So I totally understand what you just said. Did you say that you and Vashali connected five times, meaning there was only five total times in the past six years that you either met in person or had a Zoom call? Yes. In six years? Six years. Yes. I can give you another example. My VP of product uh, lives three blocks away from me. I maybe meet him in person once a year. He doesn't want to talk to me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he does fantastic work. And what he recognizes is that me being... So the, the big issue that I think a lot of HR professionals don't recognize, and again, none of this is written in any of the HR manuals. If you go to any MBA course, they will not teach you this, is the biggest focus for a manager in any organization is to remove distractions from the direct reports that they manage. And unfortunately, the largest source of distractions are unfortunately the manager themselves. So by actually removing them from this process, or at least minimizing the interaction effects between those two people, you can then very quickly accelerate the scale of an organization. So most companies that you see right now that are remote in the, and I studied for the book that I've, I've been working on over the last year and a half. We studied over a dozen billion dollar plus remote first organizations. On average, they have a managerial level 50% thinner than their on-premise counterparts. So there are more people inside of remote organizations that are doing work than there are people that are managing people doing work inside of an organization. And on average, they work a third less than their in-office counterparts because they don't have to commute in every single day. And they actually can just really focus on results as opposed to how much time you spend, quote unquote, working. I have a lot of questions here. Let's go. Because you're saying a lot of stuff that I'm sure a lot of people are trying to wrap their heads around. So again, I'm going to try to summon all of the virtual questions that I'm getting from the energy of the audience. All right. So the first question I have is this. It sounds like you're saying you can have a wider span of control when you're doing asynchronous work, meaning if studies and research have shown that you shouldn't have a manager with more than seven or eight reports, are you saying that a manager that's great at asynchronous management can have a lot more and still be effective because they have less communication? Well, they can have a lot more, but more importantly, we're not necessarily saying hey, the manager um, needs to manage more people. What we are saying is that the vast majority of the activities that middle management do are there to support the disabilities of on-premise synchronous communication. So as an example, inside, let's say that I wanted to give you my report. So Bruce, you manage me. I say, hey, okay, here are my numbers. Then Bruce, you give it to your manager. Then that manager gives it to their manager, and then that manager gives it to the boss. Inside of asynchronous organizations, everyone has access to the same information as the CEO of the company, or at least that's the goal. And that's what most remote first organizations end up doing. So if you want to see what I'm currently doing right now, hey, I'm currently on the Employee Cycle podcast with Bruce talking about uh, you know, asynchronous work. You can get that data, you can measure the result, and you don't necessarily have to be my manager. You don't even have to be in the same department in order to be able to do that. So that's one big 
core part is the vast majority of management is unfortunately simply just reporting stuff that you could automate automatically. The second part, which is really important, is most managers are actually teaching people as opposed to allowing the platform to be able to be that teacher. So inside of our organization and almost every other successful asynchronous remote organization, there are processes and systems and standard operating procedures for how to be able to run that business. And then those systems are digitized and they're put onto a platform that anyone can access so that you can say, well, how do you do X inside of the company? Well, this isn't a teaching moment for me. This is just literally, here's the video tutorial. Here's the walkthrough. Here's the text document connected to that. And more importantly, if you have other questions like that, here are the ways that you can actually go get that information yourself to, again, keep you inside of that deep work, meaning you can solve difficult problems faster and more often than most of your competitors. So basically, you're saying that a lot of managers and especially middle managers, it's a waste of time and resources. And there's a lot of people just reporting to other people, to report to other people, to manage, but not necessarily empowering the workforce. Yeah. And I know there's probably a couple of HR people right now that are just like, I'm going to turn this podcast off right now. I completely disagree with that. Listen, let <laughs> just give me, give me two more minutes here. <laughs> the reality is, is that in 21st century remote asynchronous teams, you don't need the same managerial level that you needed before. And the more people that you have on the front lines effectively of an organization, the more work that can be done, the faster that you can innovate. Really, at the core of any corporation, it's how fast can you innovate? Can you innovate better, faster than your competitors? If you can, you win. Doesn't matter if you're pouring foundations, doesn't matter if you're a plumber, doesn't matter if you're running a SaaS product. Um, it all is the same core issue. It's innovation. It's being able to see, solve deep work problems and asynchronous teams can simply do that better than any other organization. Case in point, one of the companies that we reviewed in the book is a company called Coinbase, which is a cryptocurrency wallet. And uh, they IPO'd at 141 billion, entered number 89 in the S&P 500 when they did IPO. And for the first time in the history of the SEC, they were able to state that their headquarters was nowhere because they said anything else would be a lie. And when you look at the way that that organization is built, it is built very clearly on a bedrock of asynchronous communication, meaning the platform is the manager, not necessarily the individuals inside of that company. That's really interesting. What I would like to do now is really provide some type of framework for how you go from synchronous to asynchronous to make this as actionable as possible because I've had multiple podcasts and talked to multiple HR leaders and customers where one of their primary goals right now is to make sure that as they're remote, they are building the strongest relationship possible between their managers and employees, which typically means more check-ins, more follow-up, more communication, more Zoom calls. All wrong. Where exactly all you're wrong. saying, you're saying all that's all wrong. Are wrong. Every single one of those things are wrong. Right. And that's what uh, a lot of people are doing yeah, because, they're well, follow, because they're following that cliche statement that employees don't quit jobs, they quit managers. And so first step, if I'm going to blow this all up and I'm like, you know what? I'm listening to this podcast. I'm buying into what Liam's saying. What's the first thing that I should do to really evaluate where we are today to potentially move into this more efficient way of work around asynchronous work? 
So first thing, and the questions that I get from almost every HR professional that comes and speaks to me about remote work is, uh, should we be doing Slack or Microsoft Teams, or should we be doing Zoom or Google Meet? And unfortunately, if you're asking those questions, you don't actually know what you need to ask to get the answers that you need to be able to build a successful remote team long-term. When you think about how to be able to really operationalize synchronous from asynchronous work, you have to disconnect the concept that more collaboration equals more increase in company, you know, a better company culture, higher EMPS scores. On average, remote first companies have an EMPS score of 70. We have an EMPS score of 73, which is absolutely killer, blows everyone else out of the water. Why? Because when we actually ask people, why do you love to work here? The biggest responses that at least we get inside of our companies, and it's the same general data when I've spoken to a bunch of other remote first companies, is, wow, they give us everything inside of the organization, this culture of radical transparency, meaning everyone has the same informational advantage as the CEO of the company, means that I know everything about the company, and I know that they're not holding anything back. There are no closed doors inside of asynchronous organizations because in synchronous organizations, you can close that boardroom door and then you can have that undocumented conversation, which is, you think is actually positive, but that's the cultural poison that you're pouring inside of these organizations. Instead, open everything up to everyone inside of that organization. Asynchronous is by far the best way to be able to do that because everything is documented and systematized inside of your project management systems. Simply allow people access to those things. And then when you need to make difficult decisions, most people inside of the organization actually say, wow, yes, that was the right decision to make. We should have cut, we definitely needed to cut the marketing budget by 25% because otherwise we would have been screwed three months down the line because everyone can see that information. And if enough people disagree with you, then as the CEO of the company, you need to actually go back and say, well, man, maybe we made the wrong decision. You need to actually pay attention to your people. The other part of it is like what I call culture at gunpoint, which is what you mentioned, Bruce. Um, when you when you mentioned all those things, I just thought culture at gunpoint, which is in remote teams, pandemic panicker remote teams, the people that just immediately had to jump to remote. It is Friday afternoon. Uh, everyone needs to jump on their required Zoom call to have um, their non-alcoholic beers and begin their card against humanity game. The HR friendly one, however, not the actual fun one. And everyone sits there and pretends to smile and says, oh, what a fantastic culture we have. Culture is not about the people inside of an organization. Culture is actually about the work that you do. And that's another big thing that asynchronous teams recognize that the vast majority of HR professionals, unfortunately, I believe do not recognize, which is it's the mission of the company. It's the problem that you're trying to solve. If people are really passionate about that, then they're going to love working in this company. And moreover, they're actually going to love the autonomy that allows for these individual team members to be able to be as successful as they want to be and solve as difficult problems as they want to solve. If um, you're saying, hey, your culture is, you know, Cards Against Humanity on Friday, Fridays on Zoom, it's not going to cut it. People are going to quit because they really want to be inspired by the mission that you're trying to solve, not necessarily how many non-alcoholic beers I can drink. So what about all hands meetings or monthly team meetings that allow the founders and the executive team or whoever that needs to speak to share information with the rest of the team 
in a proactive manner because we know regardless of how much data and how much and how accessible you make all of the numbers, a lot of people still aren't going to look at it. Yep. Well, so perfect answer for that. Survey them anonymously. When you are required to jump onto a Zoom call and get your AMA or your weekly address, uh, so we do those, but we do them asynchronously. So we record the the video. Uh, we do do it on Zoom. So you can jump on live if you want, but then you also, it is recorded and the majority of our workforce actually listens to it or consumes that information asynchronously. And the beauty of that is when you do an all address, you know, in front of all of your people, do you actually know how many people listen to it? How many people are paying attention? How many people weren't paying attention uh, during that meeting? Do you know? Do you not know? Who knows? Inside of asynchronous addresses, you can actually document that down to the second. So we will figure out, okay, well, what percentage of people actually consume that information? What's the average amount of time that they watch that particular video? And then instead of pointing fingers saying everyone must report for this video and everyone must watch it every single week, we use that as inspiration to actually make better videos for people, make information that's more inspiring to them, that excites them more. Everyone points it, points back at the employee. You should actually point to the people who are making that information and saying, listen, you're doing a really shitty job to be completely honest with you at this. You need to be able to do a better job at communicating to your people. It's not an employee issue. It is a lack of inspiration for the employer. Interesting. What do most companies, HR leaders, whoever is responsible for this transition from synchronous to asynchronous work, what do most people get wrong in the process so we can help some of the people in our audience avoid some of the potholes and problems that most people deal with? Top-down immediacy. So when you look at the executive team of the founders of a company, and whenever, if you implement a policy of saying there are no true emergencies. So inside of our company, we have a Slack channel called Red Alert. We're all nerds. It's a Star Trek thing, but regardless, it's you get the idea. If you post a message inside of that chat, it rings all of our phones. So if it's three o'clock in the morning, I get a ring and I probably, you know, I get a notification from the Red Alert channel maybe once a year. Those are the only true problems. And by the way, anyone who actually triggers that, if it's not truly a Red Alert, then we need to actually sit them down and say, you just disrupted 75 people's, you know, the entire engineering team's uh, workflow. Why? Uh, why did you actually do that? So immediacy from the top down, the executives, the VPs, the founders of the company, they need to be able to make sure that they're not requiring that level of immediacy from anyone else in the organization. So the, hey, I need to talk to you right now about a problem is usually not the right way to be able to operate inside of asynchronous teams. It is more specifically, here's an issue that I want to be able to address. I'm going to put it on my project management system and address it to you. When you have the time to be able to consume that information, then you can give me your response. But almost any emergency, quote unquote, can absolutely be pushed back 48 hours. And that's the big thing that the vast majority of um, synchronous training inside of office culture really doesn't address. Liam, I could talk to you about this all day because it's so fascinating, but I do want this last question to be a good one. And so I'm curious, 
after having spoken panels and podcasts and writing a book and really preaching this work concept and philosophy to a lot of people, what is the one question that you wish someone would have asked you before, either on a podcast or panel that you've been dying to talk about, but no one has asked you about? Well, people have asked me a lot of questions. Uh, I think it really boils down to why I want to do this. Why would I want to actually work this way? A lot of people critique me in saying it's a very lonely existence. And what they also don't understand is I get my socialization not from my work sphere, but from my social sphere. So I have, you know, really good, I'm really good friends with my neighbors. I have a social network that's outside of work. And that's where I get that kind of camaraderie and friendship that I don't necessarily have to the same degree in my work life because it is at its core asynchronous. But, you know, why do I do this? Why do I work this way? Why have I worked this way for almost 20 years? And my answer to that would be freedom, the autonomy to be able to do what you want to do. Um, I remember, and it was a very old quote. I can't remember who, who quoted this, but talked about how entrepreneurship is the ability to do whatever you want with whoever you want, as long as you want, wherever you want, um, for as long as you want. And that is the mechanism that I think remote work is not only giving to the employer, but also to the employee and the entire organization. And I think that that's an incredibly powerful thing and something that uh, is going to completely transform the way that we work. That was awesome and a great way to end this show. Liam, thank you so much for being such a passionate, authentic, and just truly game changer in this space and helping so many HR leaders and everyone who's listening to this truly understand the, the importance of asynchronous work. So thanks again for being on the podcast. Woo! Yo! Thank thanks you. for the clap out. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. If you're interested, go to runningremote.com. We'll teach a lot more about that there. And then if you can't afford to go to our conference or buy my book, go to youtube.com slash running remote. All of our talks are up there for free. I was just about to ask you, where can people find you and running remote? So I'll ask, where can, can people all find, where can people find you online? LinkedIn or go to running remote? Nope. So LinkedIn, um, Twitter, uh, all other forms of social media are managed by people that are not me. Uh, again, I'm really <laughs> focused on making sure that I'm as distraction free as humanly possible. And Twitter is a black hole uh, for that kind of stuff. I actually just shut it off of all of my devices now. Um, so it's not really me that responds to you on Twitter. YouTube's the best spot. Go to youtube.com slash running remote. And if you're interested in chatting with me, just hit me up there. I love it. So if you would like to stay in contact with Liam's ghostwriters, then we <laughs> will put all of his social media links in the show notes. <laughs> but thank you all for listening to the show. By the way, if you enjoyed this show as much as Liam and I did making it, which I'm sure you did because it was just such an awesome interview, please leave us a five-star review. And this can be asynchronous, so you don't have to talk to us to leave a review. You can just leave it, and we'll just see it whenever you leave it. Also, if this is your very first time listening to the podcast, and you either came here because you thought the concept and the topic was really compelling or because you're already a huge super fan of Liam's and you just had to hear what he was going to say, but now you're hungry for more episodes, please subscribe to the Employee Cycle Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all other major podcast platforms. And last but not least, all of you super awesome HR and people leaders out there, please continue to hire, train, and retain the best workforce possible. Thanks. 
Later, kids.